Numbers chapter 22 in your Bible this morning. We're going to go to the book of Numbers uh, there in your Old Testament, chapter number 22. Numbers in chapter 22. I did not have a real good earthly father, but I've got a wonderful heavenly father. He's treated me much better than I've ever deserved to be treated and continues to do so. I'm very thankful for him. Numbers chapter 22, I'm, I'm going to read quite a bit here, but I think it's necessary just to set everything up for what we have. So Numbers chapter 22 and verse number 1. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor of Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Just a, a brief comment, comment here as he talked about that in last verse and this verse. Of course, the children of Israel were, were, were encamped, ready to go into the promised land. There was a lot of them, millions. And so, I mean, he's worried. He's upset. He's worried. He said, they're going to come in here and take over. I mean, he's really upset about this thing. He had heard what they'd done to the Amorites, and he's, he's worried about this. Uh, anyway, verse 6 now, come, there, come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. He's talking to Balaam. For they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we, might, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For, for I what that he whom thou blessedest, uh, blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursedest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spoke unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the prince, princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth, come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth uh, to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak <clears throat> and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak said, Yet again, princes, more, and more honorable uh, sent. Yet again, princes, more, and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote, unto, uh, promote thee unto very great honor. And I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the service of Balak, 
If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And God came to Balaam that night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and, and his two servants were with them. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass and, and, uh, to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when he asked, saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass and said unto Balaam, What have I done? And she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee? that thou hast smitten me these three times. And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless, unless she had turned from me, surely now I also... Uh, now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. For I know not, I know not that thou stoodest in the way. I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that shalt thou, uh, thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Very simply, I've titled the message this morning, Lessons from Balaam. I believe we can learn something here this morning, and uh, we'll get right on into it. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for being such a great God. Thank you for preserving your word that we can have it here before us. And Lord, the stories here of the people that have lived before us, uh, you gave, gave those to us that we might learn and that we might take heed and that we might better ourselves, that we might be more like Jesus Christ. So we pray, Lord, have prayed for your power and just I need clarity of mind and speech. Seem to be struggling a little this morning. I just pray you'd give divine direction in everything that's said and how it's said. And Lord, that you'd speak to the hearts of your people as only you can. And Lord, again, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ, please, please deal with them about that. We ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated.
The Israelites had reached their last stop before entering into the promised land. The Moabites had taken notice of this great group of people that were coming their way and were somewhat worried at their appearance, of course. And and they knew that the two kings uh, of the Amorites had been overthrown by them. Their kingdoms had been conquered. And so Balak, the Moabites king, was full of fear uh, because of this large number of Israelites. And he knew that they would have great need of land. I mean, a, a number that large. He knew they'd have great need of land. He's worried that they were coming in to take over everything. And so he began to work to form an alliance uh, against Israel. And he looked to his neighbors, the Midianites, to join in going against the Israelites. And and there was really no need for such because the Israelites at this point hadn't shown any hostilities toward the Moabites, even after conquering the Amorites. And and they were just trying to move ahead like God had told them to do, to take possession, possession of the land uh, that God had given them. So Anyway, Balak, he decides to contact Balaam the prophet, thinking, thinking that he had the power to curse the Israelites and to shut them down. However, uh, there's not one individual anywhere that possesses such power by themselves. It's not going to happen. No, 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 no. No man can curse those whom God has blessed. Uh, not by himself. So there's no power to curse or bless. Uh, the power to curse or bless does not come through sacrifices. It does not come through incantations. It's something that only comes from God. Anyway, so initially as we look at Balaam, we would think that he's a man that's following God. I mean, from our reading and all of this. And, and it's somewhat hard to figure him out. Because in the beginning here, he's saying and he's doing all the right things. He seems like a very devout man of God at times. And apparently he's well known with his people. And he has this reputation with those in the neighboring lands. And I guarantee you for sure, he definitely stands alone in, I had a talk with my donkey today class. Without a doubt. Well known for that. Yeah. But there are some problems in Balaam's life. And and I believe we can learn from him this morning. So Balak, he sends men to get Balaam. We read all about that. And this is where Balaam looks spiritual. He listens to their proposition and then he tells them to stay the night there and he'll give them an answer after he talks with God. Now apparently he did have some kind of a relationship with God because God came to him and asked him what was going on like God didn't already know what was going on. Uh, And so Balaam explains it all to God and he spent some time talking with him. But God said, you're not supposed to go. That's what God told him. He said, you you can't go. You're not supposed to go. And uh, he, God, explained to Balaam that, that he was not to curse the people that God had already blessed. It just was not supposed to happen that day. So Balaam got up the next morning. He told those guys, he said, get on back home because the Lord's not going to allow me to go with you. And they did. They, they went back to Balak and, 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 and told him that Balaam had refused to come with them. So this king, he chose some men that were more important, it seems from what we read. They were more important than the first men that he sent. And he sent them back to Balaam. And it appears that they were very smooth talkers. We see that in verse number 16. And they had a more generous offer for him too. Let's just offer him more. If we offer him more, surely he's going he's to uh, yield to us. 
Uh, and, and Balaam had a pretty good answer for them at that time. In verse number 18, he said, it, he said in essence, he said, you know, look, 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 it's not going to matter if your boss, old Balak, were to give me his house packed with silver and gold. I, I'm not going. And then he gets spiritual. And he says this, I, I really can't do any more than what the word of the Lord will allow. And that's all I'm going to do. So right now, Balaam's sounding pretty good, truly. I mean, I mean, in the, in the eyes of everybody, it's like, oh man, this guy's listening to God. This is really something. But the offer that they made him, it, it just might have been a little more enticing than what he was letting on. Well, why do you say that, preacher? Because the very next thing he says. Now, no, no, look up here for a second. God had already said, you're not supposed to go. No, God had already told him that. You're not, you're not supposed to go with him. But the very next thing he says about that, you know, I'm, I, I, it doesn't matter where he gives me all the silver and gold, his house, whatever. He says this, uh, you guys hang around tonight. And, and, and I'll talk to God again and see what we might be able to work out. See what we might be able to do with all of this. And so he met with God that night and God told him to go. And God told him to say only that which he would tell him to say. Um, now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Had not God already told Balaam not to go with them? And yet here, Balaam comes again to God and requests it uh, once more. So it seems to me that he may have had it in his mind that he was going to work to do what he wanted to do and not what God had for him to do. I mean, the big offer of wealth, I think it uh, enticed him to an extent. You know, really and truly, we may all be prone to do that every now and then. What are you talking about, Lord? What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about going to God when we already know what he would have us to do. But that's never a good thing. No, no, it's never a good thing. Come on, we know what God would have us to do or not do, whatever the case may be, but we go and we want to petition Him again. We feel like we can work this all out, but you just don't understand. This is a different situation, and I know how other people might act in this, but I'm not going to act that way, and I know how this might hurt other people, but this isn't going to hurt me. All these things. Come on, you know the arguments uh, uh, that way that go, go on. Um, it's never a good thing when somebody does that. Well, how come, preacher? Because there is, a, there is something that's called the permissive uh, will of God. There are times that God may allow us to do what we're wanting to do, although it goes directly against what he would have us to do. That can be a dangerous time, for sure. Um, Never forget, never ever forget. You can choose the sin, but you can't choose the consequences. You will pay for those bad decisions. And so just three lessons here. We think about lesson one, the way of Balaam. So God says, you want to go? Go ahead. Now, first sight, it appears that Balaam is simply doing what God had told him to do. Um, Verse number 21. And Balaam rose up in the morning, saddled up his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. So what is this? Why the statement in this next verse then? No, no, verse number 22 there. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for, a, for an adversary against him. So why that statement? Uh, 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 Brother Marshall, why was God angry with him? 
Well, no, no, look, no, stay with me. It, it seems that God saw something in his heart that's easy for us to miss. Remember back in verse number 18? When, when, man, I mean, I mean, Balaam's sounding spiritual. If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I'm not, anyway. So his mind was on the promise of that great promotion and all the riches that he would get. If he could just get his way in this, all the riches. Um, and God knows his heart. God knows his heart. You know, Peter helps us out with the helps us out with this over in the New Testament. Balaam is mentioned quite a bit throughout the Bible. And Peter really helps us out with this. Listen to this. 2 Peter 2:14 says this. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, uh, the dumbass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. And the contact, uh, uh, contact, the context of Peter's claim here is based on the reality of those false prophets who do what they do based on greed. They're doing what they do based on greed. And then he refers, Peter did, he referred to Balaam as an example of how greed can distort even the outward appearance, appearance, the outward appearance. The outward appearance, I got it out, it's wonderful. Of obedience to Christ. Okay, I'm gonna. I, I distracted you there. <laughs> For sure, I distracted me there. So Peter refers to Balaam as an example of how greed. Please get this. It's it's a good lesson. Can distort even the outward appearance of obedience to Christ. I mean, Balaam looked like he was doing what God wanted him to do, didn't he? People say this, well, preacher, God looks on the heart. Yes. Yes, yes, he does. Absolutely so. And he is more interested in the heart than he is with empty actions. Okay. <clears throat> the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So we have to be careful about that. Because see, Balaam went, but he did not go in the spirit of which God was wanting him to go. His spirit about this was all wrong. He had his eyes on money, riches, power. I mean, he was trying to get his own way. So, what about this talking donkey? You know, I never have figured out which was weirder, that the donkey talks to him or that he talks back to the donkey. <laughs> I mean, really, come on. Think about that for just a second. Really. But this really gives us much more to think about than a talking, a talking donkey. Oh, come on, preacher. Do you really believe, do you really believe the donkey talked? Oh, absolutely so. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people that believe that, that before the curse that all the animals could speak. I mean, hence that the serpent spoke to Eve in the garden. I mean, there's some people that believe that. Well, what do you believe? I, I just believe what I read in the Bible. Amen. Uh, I know this donkey talked to him. And he allowed this donkey, God had allowed this donkey to see the angel of the Lord standing there in the way. And, and when the donkey wouldn't go the way where that Balaam wanted her to go, he got angry and he started whipping on the donkey, just trying to get it to do uh, what he wanted her to do. Well, the angel moved and found a place that was even more narrow and stood there in a way where they couldn't get through at all. It left no room for anyone to get by. And when the donkey saw the angel again, she fell down. It says she fell down under Balaam. And at that point, he even got more angry and started beating her with the staff. And that's when God opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said, in essence, what have I done to make you keep beating me like this? And Balaam is so mad <laughs> that he answers her. <laughs> no, no, in essence, here's what he said. Well, you're making me look like a fool. In fact, I tell you what, if I had a sword right now, man, I would just take you out. You have to read the Hebrew to get that perfect interpretation. But that's... And, and so the donkey answers once again and says, Hey, look, look, haven't I been your donkey for a long, long time? I mean, I've been your donkey for a long time. And has there ever been a time that I've ever done anything like this before? I mean, haven't I always been obedient? Haven't I always done right? Has there ever been a time I've ever done this before? And Balaam says, No. So... Even a donkey had sense enough not to go against an angel with a sword in his hand. I mean, even this dumb donkey had more spiritual discernment than he did at that time. What was on Balaam's mind, what, what was on Balaam's mind, was doing what he wanted to do no matter the cost. I just want to get done what I want done. Well, what's it going to, what, what if it hurts somebody? I just want to do what I want to do. I mean, that's what, no, no, that's his, that's his attitude at this point, truly. And then God opened up Balaam's eyes. And what we have there is a theophany. Well, what's that? It's a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, which caused Balaam to bow his head, fall flat on his face. Well, how do you know it was a, how do you know that was a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because the angels don't allow that to happen. No, no, angels won't accept worship like that. Anytime you see that where they fell down in front of an angel, I mean, the angel said, oh, no, no, get up. Get up. You're not going to worship me that way. No, no, no. So if it were not Jesus, the angel would have told him to go ahead and get up. And then the Lord said, why did you keep beating a donkey like that? I mean, I am here to withstand you. Get this. This is good. I'm here to withstand you. Don't you understand, Balaam? I'm here to withstand you because what you're doing is perverse before me. Now, remember this. Remember this. Well, wasn't Balaam doing what he told him to do? Not with the right heart. Look, ladies and gentlemen, we have to remember that God does look on the heart. We have to remember that God does know our heart. We have to remember that we need to be pure of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And, and, and so we have to remember that God knows why we're doing what we're, what we're doing. And, and then in essence, the Lord said to him, the donkey saw me and turned from me trying to save you. This donkey was trying to save you. Don't you understand? 
And if she had not done so, the Lord said, if she had not done so, I probably would have killed you and let her go free. I love the Bible. People say the Bible's boring. The Bible is not boring. Not at all. And then Balaam tells the Lord, look, I, I've sinned against you. And, and if this way displeases you, I'll, I'll turn and I'll go back now. But, but stay with me here. But, but the angel told him to go on with them. But you're to only say what I shall tell you to say. So Balaam went on his way. So he goes on with his plans. Now stick with me. We're going to move fast here now. He goes on with his plans and Israel ends up in sin. No, no. Balaam is fulfilling his plan. His plan. And because he's fulfilling his plan, Israel ends up in sin. So in Numbers 23, and, and, and we're not going to take time to read that. You, I, I'd encourage you to read it all later. In Numbers 23, the prophet for hire, that would be Balaam, the prophet for hire finally meets up with the king and gives the first of two to four, uh, two of the four prophecies that he was going to give. And remember now, uh, Balak is offering him a reward to curse Israel. I want you to curse Israel, I give you this reward. But the prophet's only to speak that which God tells him to speak. So, so the prophet, Balaam, he, he blesses Israel. And in fact, he blesses Israel twice. The first blessing is a prophecy that Israel will be multiplied. And in the second, he proclaims that with God on their side, Israel is going to be indestructible and that God is not going to change his promises. I'm glad that's still true today. Amen. And it is, absolutely so. So, so meanwhile, back in Israel's camp, there's sin. There's sin. And, 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 and again, I'm not going to take time to read it. And I, and I hope you'll read it for yourself. But back in Israel's camp, there's sin. And, and some of the men, some of the men had, brought, had brought prostitutes of, that, of their pagan deity, um, Baal, of who they worshipped. They brought prostitutes into that camp. And Balaam not only knew about it. Get this now. Balaam not only knew about it, but he may have instigated it some. And that could be why the prophet presumes that God will condemn Israel. Get this. That's why maybe why he presumes that, that, God, that God will condemn Israel. And, and if that happens, he in turn would reflect, uh, collect the reward from, from Balak. Come on, who needs a TV soap opera when you have stuff like this? Mercy. But what Balak did not understand, I'm sorry, what Balaam did not understand was that God had already dealt with Israel's sin. And he had already forgiven them. And he was not going to allow anybody to bring charges against his people after he'd already dealt with them. Uh, so lesson two here is the error, error of, of Balaam. Now stay with me here. How many times like Balaam against Israel does the old devil bring accusations against you and me? Oh, it happens. Without a doubt. I mean, just like Israel, God has dealt with your sin if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Somebody say amen right there. I'm thankful. It's under the blood. Amen. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. I'm telling you, it's in the depths of the sea, never to be brought up again. Hallelujah, glory to God. I'm so very thankful for that. So very thankful for that. Your sin is judged. Your sin was judged in Christ on the cross when you place your faith in Him. The, the sin of Christ, of a Christ follower is between them and God. There's no third party access. It's not going to happen that way. Romans 8.33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Hallelujah. Very thankful. 
So the error of Balaam is twofold. First off, he did not understand the righteousness of God and his, his impartation of that to those who have put their faith in him. But the second is that he compromised, get this, he compromised his own morals hoping to appease a pagan king. I'm going to change a little bit here, Balaam says. I'm going to change a little bit here, compromise a little bit here, so I can get my way. No, that's what he's doing. A little compromise here. A little compromise don't hurt. I'm going to compromise a little bit so I can, I can, get, my, I can get my way. You know, the danger... There is a danger in being around people who do not know God or who do not care about pleasing God. And that danger is this. Too many times we're more concerned about fitting in than we are about what God would have us to do. Well, preacher, I thought we were supposed to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, absolutely we are. But that doesn't mean that we live the way they live. That we do the things they do. That we compromise what God says that we're supposed to be doing just so that we can fit in with the crowd. But Balaam was willing to do that just so he could get his way. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get my way. But that's always going to cause you problems. It will always, always, always cause you problems. Uh, That way is way too common today. I mean, believers compromise their standards all the time. They do it with their speech. They do it with what they watch. They do it with the books they read. They do it with the music they listen to. They do it by who they hang out with and what they do when they are hanging out with the wrong people. It happens all the time. And some even choose to overlook the Bible verses that go against what the world teaches just so they can appear to be socially correct to those around them. But that's never right in the eyes of God. It's not right that we be politically correct. We want to be biblically correct in everything that we do. Jude chapter, uh, Jude chapter 11. Jude 11 says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. So Balaam was willing to compromise his standards to get along with others. And then the third lesson and the last lesson we're going to look at. The doctrine of Balaam. You know, there's one more lesson that the writers of the New Testament teach us about the Old Testament character. And that's about his false doctrine. This hired prophet couldn't curse Israel for Balak. So what he did is he taught the pagan Moabites to seduce Israel instead. How wicked is that? I mean, he showed Israel's enemy their unguarded back door, if you will. That happens in Numbers chapter 25. And because Israel fell into that trap, 24,000 Israelites died. Do you remember when I said that your sin is, it was judged in Christ after you put your faith in him? And it was. But you know that does not mean that God won't discipline his people. 
No, I'm thankful my sin is forgiven. Hallelujah. I never have to answer for it. But when God saves us by His grace, He does not give us a license to do whatever we want to do when we want to do it. Well, now I'm saved by the grace of God. I don't have to worry about going to hell anymore, so now I can just live the way I want to. No, 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 no. That's not the way that God works. And by the way, somebody that's truly saved by the grace of God isn't wanting to just go run back and get back in deep sin again. It's not going to happen that way. It's not, it's not that way. Not that way. And so God will discipline us at times to try to get us to live the life that He knows is going to be best for us. We have to get this in our head this morning. Condemnation and discipline are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Once we are saved, we never have to worry about being condemned again, thank God. But God will chasten us. He will discipline us. He will correct us and attempt to get us back to Him. He just wants us to be close to Him. Do you understand? God just wants us to be close to Him. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2 verse 14 says this, But I have a few things against thee, because thou, thou hast... Uh, thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught uh, Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. And the devil's still working in the same way. He still works in the same way. Just like these enemies of God, the devil cannot directly curse God's people. Can't happen. So he finds another tactic. Stay with me, we'll write it down. He finds another tactic. He looks for a door that we've left open. And, 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 and like Israel, his way into the church today is more often than not idolatry. Putting things before God. Idolatry isn't that you just have some statue in your house and you're worshiping that. No, no, no. Idolatry is when we put anything before God. Come on, when things become more important than God. Anything that becomes more important than God is idolatry in our lives. And, and, and so he uses idolatry and sexual immorality. Of which we seem to be surrounded today. It's everywhere. Truly everywhere. I think that this month and what people have celebrated, some people have celebrated this month is a good um, example of such. Just do whatever you want to do with whoever you want to do. Just live your life the way you want to live it. I think that we need to just let these lessons be reminders today. So that, so that we won't go the way of Balaam. You know, he didn't seem so bad at the beginning of all this, but he ended up showing his true heart. And here it is. No, no, listen. He showed his true heart, the heart that God knew about and tried to head off at the pass. God told him not to go. He should have just said, I ain't going. Even when people came back, he should have just said, I ain't going. You guys may go. No, no. He should have said, well, I'll have another conversation with God and see what I can get worked out with God here. God had already told him no. We need to listen to God. 
Look, there's a lot of people that compromise what they know that God would have them to do just so they can do their own thing. It's happening more and more with young people. It's happening more and more with older people. It's happening more and more. I'll do my own thing. I know what God says, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And it really doesn't matter. So their idolatry has become that they are more important than God. That they are smarter than God. That they're going to put their own wishes and wants before God. It's not going to turn out good. It never does turn out good. Never does. His was a way of greed. His error was compromise. He was saying all the right things. Listen to this. He was saying all the right things. They were coming out of his life. He's saying all the right things. But his life and the ways that he lived showed something different. Anybody can talk. Anybody can say stuff. And his doctrine, well, his doctrine was betrayal and corruption. Uh, these are lessons from Balaam that continue to really infiltrate the church and, and the lives of many all these years later. Keeps working. There are people that should be sitting here this morning. No, there are people that should be sitting in this place this morning. No, they should be sitting in this place this morning. Would be very well able to sit in this place this morning. But they decided it wasn't important enough to be here. Now, I'm not getting on you about that. You're here. Thank God that you're here. I'm just saying. I'm just making a statement. It really is the truth. It really is the truth. Well, how come? Because they just decided that they're going to do what they want to do. Instead of what they know that God would have them to do. Well, preacher, what's the big deal about that? I mean, well, let me, let me tell you what it is. I, I, because in my years of ministry, I have seen it really go downhill quickly from there. Yeah. When people start deciding that they're going to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, instead of just doing things the way that God would have them to do it. And so that's my concern. It's No, no, come on. It's not like, well, I guess you hate these people because they didn't show up for church this morning. Mercy sakes, don't read, in, in, don't read something into what I'm trying to say here. That's not the case at all. I have a heart of concern for these people. And I want to I do my best to keep people headed in the way that God would have them to go. It's just my desire to, to, to try to help people go the way that God would have them to go because I know that's where the blessing is. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if we have all the right words to say when we're confronted about something and all the right words come out, but then our actions show something completely different. Yes, you're, you're exactly right. God does know our heart. And He will work hard to try to get us to do the right thing. We just need to be willing to listen to Him. Balaam was a, uh, Balaam was a person who was willing to obey. Listen to me. He was willing to obey. you got to get this. You young people, listen to this. He was willing to obey, but was more interested in his own personal gain from that obedience rather than gain from the Lord. And, and let me just throw this out there. If some donkey... Or someone you might even consider a donkey. <laughs> is talking to you, trying to help you to see a better way. You might do well to listen. It may be, it may just be that God is using them to try to get your attention and turn you around. Could be. Don't be a Balaam. Put God 
first in everything that you say and do. Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, preacher, I'm, I want to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. Well, what does God say? Well, He's not really for this or that. Then you just put your faith in God, and you do what God would have you to do, and you let Him add to your life as He sees fit. Because I'm going to tell you, the end of that will be much, much better than your way. You young people, please get this. Please get it. So much better. God's way is so much better than what we would choose. So much better. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed for a moment. Thank you for being so very attentive this morning. Appreciate that. So patient this morning. Thank you for that. Lessons from Balaam. I don't know how God may have spoken to hearts this morning. I'm, I'm not going to try to point people out, that's for sure. I, I'm, I'm not trying to run anybody's life. But that's a fact. But I certainly want everybody to be obedient to whatever God would have them to do for the right purpose. It's not good enough to just come to church just because that's what you're supposed to do. We come to church because it's what we're supposed to do. But we come with a heart for God. I've come to worship God. I've come to hear from God. I've come to learn from God. Where is your heart? We're going to have an invitation in a moment. I'm not going to have a show of hands because you know whether God spoke to your heart about this or not. Maybe He's been trying to turn you around already. Maybe it's time to take heed. There may be somebody in here that's never trusted Christ as their Savior. You don't know for sure if you died that you'd be in heaven. Well, I'd sure like to pray for you. If you're here like that this morning, would you allow me to pray for you? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at and just allow me to say a prayer for you? I can't get saved for you, but I'd sure like to pray for you. Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you please pray for me? Anybody here like that this morning? Would you allow me to pray for you? Would you do that? Just slip your hand up, down. I'm not going to call you out. Just would like to pray for you. Now, Heavenly Father, we're thankful. Lord, once again, for the Bible, the stories of the Bible, these things that really happened, that we might uh, glean, that we might be the better for it. And I do not know how you may have spoken to hearts this morning. I do not know the hearts of people like you do, but you know them, and you've spoken to them, and so we pray that they would respond. Lord, maybe they need just to come to an altar, spend a moment with you, asking you to help them to be more obedient for the right reason, to help their heart be turned to you, Lord, to think more about what you have for them than what their plans are for themselves. Father, work now during this invitation time. We pray that your will would be done. We pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior. Lord, we pray that they'd come to, a, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's too late. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand for a moment. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Let's stand for a moment. Some have already come to the altar. You need to come. Why don't you come? Don't wait. Don't hesitate to see what somebody else is going to do. You do what God wants you to do. Do what the Lord would have you to do.
whatever God wants. Maybe you just need to make an altar right there where you are. But don't let this moment pass by without talking to the Lord. If He has spoken to your heart, you let Him have His way in your life this morning. You'll not regret it. It could be the change of life you're looking for. Whatever God would have you to do.